AMC skyrockets FireEye selling out and is SoFi a buy after its merger with IPOE. This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. And what a wild day, at least over there at AMC. But until we get into AMC and the broader headlines today, the markets, and of course, SoFi, we have to talk about where we closed today. So overall, we got the Dow Jones closing up 25 points, S&P 500 up 6 points, and the NASDAQ up 19 points. Meanwhile, the U.S. 10-year bond yield is still, or treasury yield, whatever you want to call it, is Well, flat. It's going nowhere, even though those inflation pressures continue to build. And we got hints of that in, of course, the most recent Beige Book that was released by the Fed. And if you don't know, that's an annual report released by the Fed eight times per year. Um, And it really takes in a huge consensus of companies and what they're experiencing and then over overall economic conditions. That is a topic we'll get into as well, but those yields not moving higher despite the continuing inflationary issue that the country is seeing. The economy is seeing oil flat gold edging out higher on those inflation fears. I'm continuing, man, gold already back up to uh, 1,911, pushing 2,000. It'll be interesting to see what happens there with gold in the coming months. But getting into AMC, I mean, what a frenzy today was. I, I called it the AMC frenzy. Now, there was some news today on AMC. So AMC launched a new platform um, on its public websites, and it was just for the retail investors. Um, and actually, if you break down AMC stock, a huge portion of AMC is actually owned by retail investors. Um, it's not all owned by institutions. And then some retail, it's literally like majority retail traders and investors, and then some investors, and then a solid minimal portion is actually uh, in institutions and then insiders, of course. But uh, AMC warming up to the retail investors, uh, launching some promos for retail investors. I don't really know how this is quite legal through the SEC and everything, but apparently it is. Free popcorn um, and invitations to special screenings, uh, according to uh, CEO Adam Iran. Uh, so that is very exciting, I guess, for retail investors in AMC. But that's really what sent this stock even higher today. And that was the headline. I mean, if you really take a look, Look, also on Tuesday of this week, AMC, they did report that they sold 8.5 million newly issued shares to Mudrick Capital. Um, And that was the most recent capital increase that we saw out of AMC. They've been attempting to raise capital at these elevated stock prices. There were some promises made between retail traders and the CEO and really retail traders um, and the so-called Reddit rebellion see this company as a comeback story. Um, And they see that they're doing almost something positive because they rallied this stock and they created that short squeeze so significantly that it pretty much recapitalized AMC and allowed them to and save the company from bankruptcy. So that's really a plus. But on the flip side, you don't want to get in in this elevated stock. So, you know, on Tuesday, they announced they raised an additional $230.5 million. And that money is really just usable investment capital that can be used for anything. So investors saw that as a net positive. So today, Wednesday, AMC, it rallied. 95%, more than 710 million shares were exchanged. 
just on Wednesday alone, and the stock is up more than 2,800% on a year-to-date basis. So definitely solid stuff there when it comes to performance. If you were an AMC and you caught, you know, even 50% of that 2,800% run, my goodness, congratulations. Or even today, 95%, that's an amazing return in the market. Um, If you caught that AMC rally, this AMC boom, congrats, but I recommend you trim out and sell. That's simply my opinion. I don't like these elevated, crazy trading, short squeeze stocks. I definitely don't like to hold them long. If anything, they're great ways to build capital quickly, a short-term trade in and out. Do not hold this sucker for a super long term. First off, AMC is at the highest trading level it's ever been at, regardless whether it had the best conditions ever or the worst conditions ever. Um, it is at the highest stock price it has been at ever. Um, I believe last time I checked the charts. Yeah, it's a new 52-week high today, so it's at least a 52-week high. And if you really take a look, it's trading, yeah, at the highest level it has ever traded. So in my opinion, you sell out of AMC. If you're in it right now, you take your profits because you definitely made quite a bit. I mean, if you bought in at the top, please just sell in the morning. You do not want to be in this thing when it comes down and trust me, it will. Um, but this is, a, you know, it's something I would call entertaining in the markets to watch. So if you definitely played this, congrats. Um, but I would definitely be exiting, de-risking my position. Um, definitely here, I believe this could very well be the top. But I'm not calling it top because you never know in this market, this thing could go, you know, even more exponential, even more parabolic. Um, so definitely not a stock that I would hold for the long-term, short-term play. Maybe. Now, we had some big analyst calls today that were kind of interesting. So, UBS reiterated its buy rating on McDonald's. I like it. McDonald's is a phenomenal company, consistent grower, solid management team, and dividend. Um, it's a solid name that pays you to stay. I like it. Now, Bank of America raised its price target on Ford to $17 from $14.50. Listen, I really do like Ford. I like Ford, the company. Um, I wish they do more manufacturing in the United States, but that's just me. Um, but at the end of the day, I like Ford. But would I buy it here? No. Um, if I take a look at the Ford charts, they're not tremendously great. Um, in fact, it looks like the stock is quite elevated. I, I, I would say it's quite overextended at this point. Um, it really has moved significantly to the upside in the past six months. In fact, if you take a look at the overall performance, on a year-to-date basis alone, it's up 69%. On a one-year basis, it's up 152%. The earnings projections aren't tremendous. Um, and overall, I take a look, and it has literally been straight up for the past three weeks. So in my opinion, I would not be buying it here. I'd be waiting for a pullback, possibly back to what would be the previous breakout zone, right around 1330. And if it retest that 1330 breakout zone, I like it. I think it could long uh, forward. But I personally do not believe that the electric car momentum is enough to carry it to say, you know, 2030 um, within the next six months. I really just don't see it. Um, I think Ford in all reality is behind in the game. If you look at a comparison between say Tesla's models and Ford's current electric models, even their highest end trims um, hardly match up with the mid-range trims of Tesla. Um, so Tesla is definitely ahead in the technology game. They're ahead of the majority in the space. They're the leader in the EV game. That could very well change in the future. GM, Ford, someone, Volkswagen could 
take them out, but I don't see that happening at all, at least within the next few years. And therefore, I'd rather go long a name such as Tesla. In fact, if you take a look at Tesla, this stock hasn't been faring the best. Um, it, on a performance basis, it's down 14% on a year-to-day basis. Meanwhile, over there, Ford is up 100 and what? It's up 50, 60% on a year-to-day basis and on a one-year basis, over 150%. So I'd be buying Tesla here. I'd put a stop loss on it because you never know. Tesla is an extremely elevated stock, but at the... As its current state, at its current moment, Tesla has been pulling back. Meanwhile, Ford has been going um, absolutely parabolic in just the past three weeks. So I would definitely be checking out some other EV plays. I'd even check out GM right now. That stock has been mostly flat in recent months. Um, I'd even check out that name prior to buying Ford, say, tomorrow. Um, But I am bullish on Ford in the long term, and I think that their EV shift will likely drive the share price up um, somewhat minimally over the next few months. JP Morgan raised their price target on FedEx to $366 per share from $340 per share. I like this call. FedEx, an excellent company, another one of those consistent um, names. And before I shift away from FedEx, I would like to note on overall distribution shipping, that entire industry as a whole, I think that Industry is only going to grow, especially as e-commerce grows. At the end of the day, more individual shipping also means more shipping um, because you're going to get shipping to the stores and you're also going to get even more e-commerce, which is just going to push even, in my opinion, more volume. We've been seeing it. If you take a look at holiday volumes, especially, you can see that it just continues to increase and build up. So I definitely see FedEx and UPS both as very solid, strong companies. And then Morgan Stanley reiterated Monster Beverage as a top pick. I like Monster Beverage. There's not too many big beverage names currently in the markets, um, but Monster Beverage, Celsius, uh, and Coca-Cola really would be my top three beverage picks at the moment. Coca-Cola is obviously your consistent one, Monster Beverage. It's consistent, but not nearly as consistent. doesn't have nearly the track record as Coke has. Um, And then Celsius, I think, is an excellent growth play. Celsius is probably uh, the best drink I personally ever had when it comes to energy drinks, Um, and I think the health aspect it has going for it is going to beat out competition like Monster and therefore, I think you can long both Monster Beverage and Celsius um, both together at the same time because they're both going to do well and possibly Celsius even eventually gets bought out. But who really knows? That's just kind of a thrown out uh, <laughs> guess. Anyway, shifting away from the biggest analyst calls, we're going to talk about FireEye for a second. So FireEye, it's a uh, well, it's a cybersecurity play. Um, and at the end of the day, this name has kind of been um, in the background. So as maybe a few of you know, not many know this unless you pay attention to the news um, all the time. Unfortunately, uh, last December, FireEye was actually the subject of a cyber attack. So a cybersecurity company was cyber attacked. It's funny how that works. They were hacked um, and, you know, there was data breaches. And of course, uh, they basically then said, you know, this was state sponsored. This was not entirely our fault. But people were kind of like, you're, uh, you know, you're you're in the cybersecurity area and you still can't even defend yourself? What the heck? Um, so that kind of hurt their reputation and name. And today we got FireEye um, news that FireEye is selling its products business. Um, and that includes the FireEye name. Uh, so overall, this is going to be led by a private equity firm 
Symphony Technology Group, and they will be this deal will take place uh, in a one point two billion dollar. Uh, deal. I mean, crazy stuff here. So in essence, FireEye is selling its name and its products business, and the deal will separate the Mandiant Solutions, which is or was FireEye's cyber forensics unit, from its network, email, and cloud security products. Um, now, this is very interesting. I frankly find this a bit of a downer. I'd rather ignore this news and go and buy myself, I don't know, probably CrowdStrike because it's one of the best cybersecurity names out there. Um, but the CEO was upbeat. He said, quote, after closing the deal, uh, we will be able to concentrate exclusively on scaling our intelligence frontline expertise through the Mandiant Advantage platform, while the FireEye products business will be able to prioritize investments on its cloud for security product portfolio. So overall, what we have going on here is really a spinoff um, and just a company figuring out what its next steps are to even more accelerate growth and get back on track. So FireEye right now going through its issues. I'm not sure how successful this will be. You never really know. We'll just have to wait and see. But very interesting headlines out of FireEye. Now, rotating all the way back to that beige book that I said we would talk about, about the economy, about the overall environment, the macro environment. And really what we got here is economic growth increased. Um, it increased, in fact, quote, at a moderate pace, according to the report, um, from early April to May. Now, the central bank did say in its beige book or its consistent survey and report on the overall economy that it saw um, growth activity across all 12 districts. Um, and then it also said it takes most most of it's actually a survey um, out of that survey of companies. Um, it said the report said on quote, this is according to CNBC, increasing vaccination rates as well as easing of restrictions put in place to combat the COVID-19 pandemic helped growth. That is according to companies that were surveyed. Now, just because that occurred doesn't mean inflation didn't squeeze in there. So in the report, um, it cited accelerating inflation pressures. Um, it also cited increasing wages and cost, especially to input goods um, that they need to that companies need to operate. So overall, they are saying that they are not only seeing the inflation pressures and the increasing wages and cost, but they expect to see even more of it. In fact, um, on quote, the report said, "Looking forward, contacts anticipate." facing cost increases and charging higher prices in the coming months. So expect even more inflation. We're starting to eke out of this transitory state and possibly get into real inflation. As many economists, many investors have been saying, this is not transitory. This is truly inflation that we are seeing after the government was forced and did, and not necessarily forced, but they mostly voluntarily, continue to print an insane amount of money um, and push it into an economy that didn't really need the stimulus um, in the final months of this pandemic. Now, on a positive note, it said, quote, strengthening demand allowed some businesses, particularly manufacturers, builders, and transportation companies to pass through much of the cost increases to their customers. So on the company front, really, the companies have not yet been super, I mean, they haven't been affected greatly in a negative connotation, but that very well could happen in the coming months and years if this inflation issue is not dealt with from the Fed. Um, and really, the question comes down to, does the Fed really have all the tools in, in, 
in their tool chest to solve the inflation issue at this point? Is it already too out of hand? Is the Fed too late? Um, and some economists are even saying it's already too late. Um, and if they don't act now, it's only going to get or go into a hyperinflation scenario, which would definitely not be good. Um, so overall, not great stuff on the future front when it comes to inflation, but as for the recovery at the moment, it is still intact in the economic recovery and economic growth is continuing to increase at a quote moderate pace. So definitely something to pay attention to. Always pay attention to your macro environment as well. Um, it doesn't have to be a core focus, but maybe every you know month or two, take a look at that macro environment and say, how's the macro environment doing? Is the stock market, you know, is the future bright for the markets? Um, definitely something just to pay attention to on a regular basis. Now, shift into SoFi or what was once IPOE. Um, it was Chamath SPAC, as you know, Social Capital SPAC, um, one of them. So SoFi, ticker sign, the new ticker symbol, S-O-F-I. And by the way, the market cap on this report was $2 billion. That is the pre-merger market cap for what was IPOE and SoFi, that merger combination. Now, after the merger, that's going to be roughly 16 to $20 million, and it's going to be the actual valuation of SoFi itself. Just something to note on the report, it's the pre-merger amount, because when this article, when this breakdown was written, um, which was yesterday, um, there was not a hard, solid market cap for SoFi as of yet, and we're simply not going to put out um, a guess at a market cap for SoFi when we have the pre-merger hard data um, for the name. We're going to use that hard, confirmed data before we use any of these um, not even really fully confirmed market caps that SoFi is actually going to become. So that's just just a note. So SoFi is an up-and-coming digital financial services platform that assists customers in saving for retirement, paying down debt, creating a financial safety net, investing, and so much more. Previously, SoFi was a blank check company listed under Social Capital, Head of Sophia Holdings Corp., V. Now, that was IPOE. Now, a blank check company is simply a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. In essence, these SPACs list on the markets, people buy in. There's a pool of capital there. They go out, find a private company, buy a portion of that company through what is called a pipe deal or a private investment in public equity. Um, and then it goes into the public market. So it's in essence a merger from a blank check company, a company. It's a merger between a public company and a private company. And it in essence brings that private company public. It's Sounds confusing, but it's not confusing, really. Now, uh, recently, uh, Social Capital and SoFi completed their merger just yesterday, um, hence the SoFi ticker change, S-O-F-I is the new ticker, in a sizable private investment in public equity deal, pipe deal, that will provide up to $2.4 billion in cash and guarantees a fully committed pipe of $1.2 billion for SoFi. Now, on the final note, the merger values SoFi at a considerable equity value of $8.65 billion. So if SoFi goes on the trade at a 16 to $20 billion market cap, and you base on this, and basically you go off of this valuation or this equity value that the deal was valued at of $8.65 billion, SoFi is trading in a significant premium. Now, management was upbeat about the deal. They said, quote, the new investments and our partnership with Social Capital had Sophia signify 
the confidence in our strategy and momentum in our business, as well as the significant growth ahead of us. CEO Anthony Noto said. Now, exploring SoFi's management team, the company is led by CEO Anthony Noto. Now, prior to joining SoFi, Noto was COO and CFO um, of Twitter at two points. So he was CFO since 2014 up to up until 2016. And then from 2016 until his departure from Twitter, he was COO. Now, furthermore, SoFi's management team boasts a multitude of well-qualified members with experience from Uber, Goldman Sachs, Procter & Gamble, and so many more fantastic companies. Now, if we dig into the financials behind SoFi, SoFi has actually been consistently posting strong growth in recent months. In the most recent earnings report, Q1 2021, SoFi delivered net revenues of $216 million, and that represents a sizable 151% jump on a year-over-year basis. Now, shifting into EBITDA, that is, of course, if you don't know it, a common financial metric, um, adjusted EBITDA totaled $4.132 million in Q1, representing a strong $70 million improvement on a year-over-year basis. For reference, the Q1 2020 adjusted EBITDA was negative $66.152 million, so definitely a huge shift from negative to positive on adjusted EBITDA. Now, breaking down profits by segment, the lending segment turned out a solid contribution profit of $87.686 million, representing a solid improvement over the minimal $4.095 million contribution profit in Q1 of 2020. Furthermore, the technology platform segment delivered a contribution profit of $15.685 million on a year-over-year basis. That segment alone, that segment's contribution profit um, was up big time over just $997,000. So it literally went from $997,000 to fit over $15 million, um, just in contribution profit, significant improvement on a year-over-year basis. And then rounding out contribution profit, the financial services segment turned out negative $35.519 million contribution profit, representing a declining contribution profit from the Q1 2020 level of negative $26.983 million. Now, on the members front, SoFi continues to see strong growth. Overall members totaled 2.281 million members for Q1 2021, and that's a $100 10% increase on a year-over-year basis compared to the Q1 2020 total members level of 1.086 million members. Um, so definitely a big improvement there as well. And we like to see all of these financial improvements. Yeah, there are a few negatives mixed in, but overall big improvements over there at SoFi on a financial basis year-over-year between Q1 2020 and Q1 2021. Like to see it. Now, as for products, overall products grew by 120.8% year-over-year, bringing total products to 3.8185 million overall products. Now, do note, total products is defined as the total aggregate number of lending and financial services products that SoFi members have selected. Now, if we look to the future, management is upbeat and expects adjusted net revenue to land within a range of 215 to $220 million in Q2 of 2021. Now, if the Q2 targets are meant, if they're meant, revenues will have grown 58 to 61% on a year-over-year basis. That's solid revenue growth right there. As for quarterly EBITDA, Q2 adjusted EBITDA is projected to land within a range of negative $8 million to negative $2 million. Um, and that is a significant improvement over the previous levels. And then that would imply an EBITDA margin of negative 421%. Now, rounding out guidance, leadership is expecting full year 2021 revenues to total $980 million 
which would represent strong 58% revenues growth on a year-over-year basis. Um, finally, full-year 2021 contribution profit is expected to land roughly around $266 million. So they're slowly turning profitable. like to see that as well. Now, the big money, they're a little less involved here with SoFi, and that's not necessarily a bad thing with just 23.40% of SoFi being owned by institutions. Top holders include Ivy Investment Management, Franklin Advisors, and Gilbert Gaganon Ho and Co investors. Now, on the risk fronts, SoFi faces strong competition. Um, definitely. If you take a look and you compare SoFi to, say, PayPal and Square, they face steep competition because a lot of those services that SoFi offers are also offered by PayPal and Square, but that does not mean that SoFi cannot be successful. Now, in short, SoFi is a solid company with an expanding user base and quickly improving financials, but it faces a tough road ahead, in my opinion, and could be very profitable. So, there, it has plenty of room for growth, plenty of room for expansion, has a bright future, a solid management team, and expanding cons- customer base. Um, and not only that, but an ease of use platform and great technology. But can they face that steep competition and can management lead them to even greater growth? That is the question. Um, and that is not one that can be easily determined. I do see a bright future for SoFi. I think they can do it, but you never know. That is just a simple risk to investing. Now, before we close out the show, we have to take a look at the overall market. What is the overall market doing today? Well, today it was kind of just a big old flat day. Um, a lot of the sectors sectors had mixed results. We saw Fang pretty much flat, Google and Facebook red. Meanwhile, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple green. Um, we saw the banks flat as well. With Wells Fargo and a few other names, US uh, USB taking a dip. Meanwhile, JP Morgan, City. Bank of America, all going green. Um, We also saw some weakness in the software application space. We saw CRM, Shopify, ServiceNow, Uber, um, all of those down half of those amazing companies. Salesforce and Shopify, two favorites of mine. We saw FinTech mixed as well today. We saw a MasterCard and a PayPal and a Visa Green, meanwhile, Square Red. We saw Adobe moving to the downside slightly. We saw healthcare flat and mixed as well with J&J. Pfizer up. Meanwhile, ABV, Bristol Myers down. So we had a lot of mixed action today. If I were to buy one stock today, like absolutely, I had to buy one stock today. I had to buy 10 grand worth. I'd buy Amazon immediately. I absolutely love Amazon. And at this price point, I don't think it gets any better. Um, if you take a look at Amazon, it's now been flat for a darn near 12 months. It's pushing 12 months of being completely flat. It has literally been completely flat since July of 2020. And we're pushing July of 2020 here in the next few months. So if it remains flat, I mean, that's flat for 12 months. That's 12 months of consolidation and Amazon continues to see fantastic growth. That valuation is coming down and it's getting cheaper and cheaper as the day goes by. I like Amazon. Home Depot, Procter & Gamble, Walmart, Target, Costco, your big iconic names continuing to push out consistent growth, but flat in recent weeks. Definitely names to check out. And that is the end of the show. Also, check out Boeing. That stock is finally getting love again. I think, and it got an upgrade yesterday, I think Boeing can push even higher in the next few weeks as travel picks up. But that is simply my opinion. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. We will be back on Friday to talk to markets. A lot of holidays lately um, that has forced the team for a few days off, but we are back in full force now. I will see you on Friday for another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. Until then, do your research, then buy your stocks, and 
Make sure to invest in the fundamentally supported companies. Easily profit trade on. See you then.